0: While well, we continue in worship this morning. Uh, really, this is the, the pinnacle of worship because we get to hear God speak to us. We get the Word spoken to us. We get the Word proclaimed to us. The inerrant Word, the inspired Word, the authoritative Word, the sufficient Word, the all-sufficient Word. We've been looking at the book of Ephesians and the Apostle Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul's been appointed by Christ To go out and plant churches and then write scripture. And he's sending these letters back to these churches. In the book of Ephesians, we spent the first three chapters really looking at the doctrine. Who are we in Christ? What's our identity in Christ? And then the last three chapters are about application. How do we live out this identity? What does this mean for us? How are we supposed to live in such a way that honors God, that honors Christ, that displays holiness? And now he's been looking at the household. Exactly how are we supposed to live together in the same household in the different relationships? And of course, this passage we're looking at today, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, is governed here by what we read back in 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled by the Spirit. Best translation there is by the Spirit, not with the Spirit. And by the Spirit means that the Spirit is the one filling us. With what? We looked at Colossians and determined that that's filling us with the words of Christ, with the scriptures, with the commands, with the desire to live out those commands. And so we want to be more like Christ. And if we do these things that the Bible tells us, we will have more of Christ going through us, living out more of Christ in our life, be more like Christ. Well, he says, first of all, singing. Singing to one another, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. So two ways there, singing both to each other and to the Lord. Then, of course, giving thanks to God. And then he says, being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This doesn't mean that everyone is subjected to others. It means that each person is in a relationship where they're being either submissive or submissive to the Lord and then loving like the husband loving his wife. So wives, be subject to your own husbands. And husbands, love your wives as the husband submits to Christ. And now we start with the child-parent relationship. Children, obey your parents. So let's read the passage, Ephesians 6, 1-3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, And that you may live long on the earth. It's more common in our society today to see children disrespect and dishonor their parents. It's more common to see that than it is to see them love and obey them. We see children rebel against their parents so often that we just expect that when we go out into society, when we're around other people, and, and we're surprised even when we see children who do actually obey, who do obey and even do so willingly. The fault of such teenage rebellion that we see in our world falls upon the modern thinking that that wants to say obedience is in opposition to raising a a well-rounded, mature child. As if obedience is bad. They think a child is weak, a child is malleable when they're obedient. That they might listen to someone when they grow up and someone might be stronger than them uh, with words and, and mislead them even. And so they don't want the child to be obedient to others at all, including parents. An article from psychologist Laura Markham. She has her PhD in psychology, and she wrote the book, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. She writes, If you've always thought that children should be obedient, I invite you to reconsider. Respectful and cooperative. Yes, absolutely. Kids grow up that way when we listen to their thoughts. Treat them with respect and invite cooperation by working on solutions. But obedient? Maybe not. In other words, she sees obedience as not needed at all in the family, in the household. And it shouldn't even be expected of children. Another writer in this peaceful parenting philosophy, uh, Genevieve Simperingham, she writes many popular articles out there for parents to read, and she encapsulates this way of thinking. She says, who would want to train children to be obedient? when we can bring them up to be discerning, to be critical thinkers with a highly developed capacity for big picture thinking, for empathy for self and others, and to value integrity and what feels right above the directions of authority figures. Did you catch that? She says, instead of obedience, we want them to think about what is right whenever there's an authority over them. When a child's free will, she says, is genuinely respected, the child is more likely to use their free will wisely and with integrity. So what she's saying, what they're saying in the world, is that a child, if if they're just left alone, if they're just left to their own ways of thinking, their own free will, then they will turn out fine. They will be wise. They will have integrity. Now, has she ever heard of what we know as total depravity? Sin nature? The inherited sin nature that all of us have in Adam? Well, we know that's true. We see it in the Bible. It's quite sad that the world does not recognize these truths that we know in the Bible and that have been taught, really, for thousands of years about our human nature. And Instead, they, they recommend a type of child-parent relationship that is somehow going around the way God has designed it. Of course, that ends in... Children who grow up getting their own way, children who grow up living out their own sin however they want to, and they're never confined, they're never told to obey. They grow into adults and continue in the same way of thinking. What the world is deceived by is thinking that obedience is opposite to raising a mature, well-rounded Christian child. A believing child, even an unbelieving child who's respectful. You probably have met some of those. They would say here, that child does not need obedience to end up that way. Well, the Bible has something to teach us on parenting. And Paul, having just addressed the marriage relationship by the authority of Christ, he's now going to write instructions to the church here, the Ephesian believers, for how children ought to obey their parents. How children ought to submit to their parents and the family. So he addresses the question. He, here, here's what the sermon's going to address. Here's what the passage addresses. What does submission look like in the parent-child relationship for Christians, for believing children? What does that look like? And he's going to show us what that looks like. He's going to give us four reasons. Four reasons Children should obey their parents. Children are told to do it, so they should. But Paul doesn't leave it at that. He, he backs it up. And he starts to explain why that should happen, and even giving us hints of how and what that looks like. So the first reason children should obey their parents, number one, because obedience honors Christ. It honors Christ. Anytime a believer obeys according to Christ's commands, that's honoring to him and certainly with children obeying their parents. He starts off by addressing children directly. He says children. A Greek word here is techna, That means one's immediate offspring, but without specific reference to sex or age. It's not an infant or a toddler. We know the Greek word for that is brephos. That's a little baby. But it's a child old enough to understand what is being said here. And it goes all the way up to an older child, still under the care and authority of the parents. So about four, five, six years old, up to 18, maybe today early 20s, child in that college age range. Paul addresses children directly here though. These children, he's he's directly commanding. He's expecting this letter to be read and them to hear it. So they're in the church. They're hearing this. They're in the public worship. This modern concept that we have today in the the Christian world where you send the kids away and you keep sending them away all the way up through high school even. There's some big churches that have high school ministry happening in the place of the Sunday worship of the church. That's not what's happening in the early church. We don't practice that here even. Yeah, we have a nursery for the little babies and toddlers. But at a certain age, a child ought to come into the worship. They ought to hear the word of God. Start hearing the gospel, not only at home, but in the church. If they are believing children, they ought to be hearing how to live out the Word of God, how to live out their Christian life. Well, Paul expects the children to be there. They are there. They are present. And he's expecting them to hear what's being said and to receive the teaching. And it's not just boys. This word here also incorporates girls as well, both boys and girls. In the ancient world, uh, boys were taught at school. The boys would go to school. Most of the time, the girls did not have a way to be educated. But here, he's addressing both boys and girls. The church is different. It's not a place where only the males are getting uh, addressed and taught, but also females as well. So he says, children, obey your parents. Obey here means to follow instructions, to obey on the basis of having paid attention to. In Colossians 3.20, another book that Paul writes, and in this section is very similar to what he's saying here in Ephesians. He says, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Obedience means to follow the instructions, to do what they say in all things. Parents are included here, both mother and father. Yeah, the mother is submitting to the husband, submitting to the father, the leader of the family, but her submission to him does not remove obedience the children should be giving to her. It increases it. A mother in the house when the father's absent, it should increase the respect that the children give to the mother. And we all know this to be true. Many of us either say this now in our house or grew up hearing this. Because if you don't obey mom, you're going to have to deal with dad when he gets home. And we always knew the punishment would be worse when dad got home. Children, speaking to you this morning, speaking to you with this passage. The the Lord inspired the Apostle Paul to write this, and he's writing to you here. Obey your parents. You know what obedience means? It means do what your mom and dad say, and do it immediately and voluntarily and without any complaining. The Puritan Thomas Watson An older preacher who wrote a lot of great books that we even have here at church in our bookstore. A child, he said, a child should be the parent's echo. When the father speaks, the child should echo back obedience. It should be just like when a sound goes out and then comes back. The parent, the father commands the child to do something and the child does it and obeys. And the father can see that obedience. And it should be voluntarily should be with the right heart attitude. There shouldn't be complaining. We often will hear from older children when they're told maybe to do their chores. They sigh. They say, okay, fine. But why do I always have to do everything around here? Well, that's not voluntarily. That's not with the right heart attitude. If it's not voluntarily, if it's not from the heart truly, then it's not obedience to the Lord. It's not obeying the Lord from the heart either. It's actually a sin. The child might say, fine, Dad, I'll clean my room right now. I'll do it, but I don't want to in my heart. Can you imagine a believer saying that to Jesus? Fine, Jesus, I'll do what you say, but I don't really want to. I'm obeying on the outside, but not the inside. We would call that sin, and that is sin. And it's a sin not to obey your parents, uh, both outwardly and inwardly. To put it clearly, unwilling obedience is a type of rebellion. What another Puritan said was a vice clothed in the garment of holiness. It looks holy on the outside, but there's a vice, there's sin on the inside. Don't do that, children. Live out your life in a holy way, both inwardly and outwardly. And do it, he says, in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. He's not talking about the parents being in the Lord here, this This phrase, in the Lord, modifies the verb to obey, not the noun parents. It's not saying only obey Christian parents, and if they're not Christians, you don't have to obey them. That's not what it's saying. It's it's saying here that children who love and follow Christ, the children who are believers, it is part of your honor to Christ to obey your parents. You're in the Lord. Obey them as if you are in the Lord, just like You obey Christ just like you honor Him. Do the same towards your parents. God has given you, your parents, children, for your good. He's put them as authorities over you. They're representing Him to you. That's what authority is. God has designated, God has ordained all the authorities in your life. And right now, children, your parents are the authority over you. And notice here, It doesn't say you should obey your parents because your mom and dad are perfect. He's not saying they're perfect, therefore you must obey them. They're not perfect. They still sin. They still have weaknesses. They still stumble and fall sometimes. And guess what? You're not perfect either. There's no perfect people in here. There was only one perfect man who ever lived. That was Jesus Christ our Lord. You still sin. You still have weaknesses just like them. But even though your parents still sin, God has still called you to submit and obey them. Now, you should know that if you're not a christian children if you if you're not saved, if you're not believing, you cannot do this. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that that people aren't trying out there to do this, but you can't do it, you can't fulfill it, you can't do it with the right heart. It's impossible. Without having a new heart given by God, it's difficult enough for children who are saved to obey their parents. That's a struggle even for them, because they're fighting against the flesh still still there, even though they have a new heart. And they have the Holy Spirit living in them. That's hard enough. It's impossible if you don't have Christ. If you're not saved by faith alone and Christ alone. It's completely impossible to obey and honor your parents with a Christ-like attitude. Yeah, unbelieving kids can, can do it from the outside, but not from the inside. Not with a changed heart, a Christ-like attitude. So children, believe in Christ today. You hear what God commands you to do. He commands you to obey. Jesus said, be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. And if you're here today not trusting in Christ, then you're not, you're not anywhere close to perfect. You're breaking God's law. You have to believe in Christ. You have to turn to the Lord. You have to turn away from your sin and be saved through Jesus Christ, the only one who can save us, the only one who can take us to heaven to be with the Father someday. Trust in Christ. Then you'll be able to follow these commands of Scripture. Then you'll be able to obey your parents and do it with the right Christ-like attitude. Number two, the second reason that children ought to obey their parents, Paul says, is because obedience is God's design. It's the way God designed it. It's it's the way God put it into the world when He created man and woman and the family. This is in the little phrase here in the verse, for this is right. You see that phrase, this is right. The the Greek word for right is dekaion, that which is obligated. And view of certain requirements of justice, right, fair, equitable. It's just a general word meaning doing what God says is right. Philippians 4 8 uses this word with many others. And it says, finally, Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely. When he says whatever's right, He's he's using this same word, dikion, and he's saying, do what's right according to God. What everybody knows is right. You don't have to have the Bible to know right from wrong. The word here, being used in the context of Ephesians 6, is saying it's right for children to obey their parents. It's the righteous, divine order of things. It's what God says is right. It's how he designed the world. He put this into the world. He put this into the family, into the heart. The natural law of right and wrong is in the heart, it says in Romans chapter 2. And it's built into the world. Commentator Warren Wearsby says, There's an order in nature, ordained of God, that argues for the rightness of an action. Since the parents brought the child into the world, and since they have more knowledge and wisdom than the child, it is right that the child obey his parents. He goes on to say, later, he goes on to say, Unfortunately, the modern version of Ephesians 6.1 would be, Parents, obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring peace to the home. But this is contrary to God's order in nature. He's saying there that it's contrary to the way God designed the world for children to do whatever, uh, for parents, sorry, to do whatever children say. What about an unbelieving parent then? I mean, if this is in the world, naturally designed by God, then shouldn't children still obey an unbelieving parent? And the answer is yes. A child owes obedience to a parent in all areas, except those that contradicts God's word. If it contradicts God's word, then the child does not do it. It's against the word of God. Now, children, that means you need to know God's word better so that you clearly know when something is a sin and when it's not a sin. But if your parent, even an unbelieving parent, asks you to sin, you don't obey that. But you obey everything else they tell you to do, even if they're unbelievers. The child's situation is very similar in that case to a, a Christian wife with a non-believing husband. And the Bible commands in 1 Peter 3 that she still called to submit to him as to the Lord, except if the husband asks her to sin. So a child ought to obey his or her parents as long as the parents are not asking the child to sin. You see, our, our submission, all of us here, our submission and obedience to Christ doesn't depend on the other people we're submitting to. We're called to submit to the government. And the government might not be a believing government. The leaders often aren't believers, even. We're still called to submit. Parents are called to submit to Christ, and children are called to submit to the parents. Number three, the third reason that Paul gives here as. A reason why children should obey their parents because obedience is commanded by God's word. So, we've already looked at how it's designed by God, but it's also commanded. There's a lot of things that are designed in the world, and everybody knows they're right and wrong, but still, people go ahead and do sin. And so, God's word convicts us, God's word guides us, God's word tells us what to do. And He brings us out in verse 2 he quotes here from the old testament honor your father and mother he, he's quoting from the fifth commandment of the 10 commandments and he's he's quoting what we call the fifth commandment it comes from exodus 20 verse 12 also repeated in deuteronomy 5:16 now all nine of the 10 commandments are brought forward from the old into the new covenant The only one not repeated in the new is the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. But the rest of them are quoted by the apostles and by Christ. And Paul's bringing forward this one, the fifth one, to show that God has always called his people to honor their parents. Whether it's in the Old Covenant, whether you're a child born in the Old Testament, or under the New Covenant, a child that is believing in Christ, you're still called to submit, to submit as a child, to honor your father and mother All your life. The word honor here is different than what we saw previously in verse 1 with obey. The word honor is timah. Timah means to show high regard for someone, to honor them, to revere. Honor means absolute respect that a father and mother should receive for their entire lives, whether you're in their household or not. You see, that's different than obey. Obey means do it, do it without complaint. Honor doesn't mean you always do exactly as your parents say when you're older, when you're an adult. But you you have to have the position of listening to them. You have to hear what they have to say. You have to honor and respect them. You don't mistreat them when you're an adult. Being your parents, they have input. Sometimes you agree with them. Sometimes you do what they would like for you to do. And other times, as an adult, you don't. You use your own godly wisdom and you don't agree with your parents, but you still respect them nonetheless. Honor something that's lifelong towards your parents. Obedience in your actions towards your parents is when you live under their roof. So you're always honoring them from a young age until they die. But you're obeying them and doing exactly what they say when you're under their roof, when you're under their authority, when you're in their house. Jesus honored and submitted to his parents. Luke 2.51, Jesus submitted and obeyed his parents until he came of age. And even then, he continued to honor them as the law commands. You remember he went up to the temple and he went off to stay in the temple and they went back home and they missed him and came back. And it says he went home after that and submitted to them until he had matured fully in his humanity. So Jesus called adult children to give honor to their parents, just like he did. In fact, in in Matthew 15, he talks to the Jewish people. He talks to the Pharisees, really, because they're not honoring their parents. They're, They're not. They're forgetting about their parents. They're not wanting to take care of their parents. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 15, starting in verse 3. And he answered and said to them, Why? do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So they're breaking the fifth commandment for the sake of their tradition. Something they added, something that's not in the Bible. And then he quotes, For God said, Honor, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. He goes on to quote from the prophet Isaiah, showing God said they would be hypocrites. This is not new to the Lord. But the reason he brings this up is because they were setting aside money that should have been used to take care of their parents. Parents are getting older. Parents need care. The parents need a place to live. The parents need food. And they don't want to take care of them. Well, this money set back. I put this money in the bank to reserve it for God. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to dedicate it to God. And that's a tradition. That's something they came up with. It was not commanded in Scripture. But what is commanded in Scripture is that they honor the Lord and honor their parents. That's honoring to God to honor your parents. It's a lifelong commitment. And as a child right now, as children in the home... That means obeying and respecting your parents. As an adult, you'll still respect them, and you're still going to care for them, but it doesn't look the same as when you're younger. The Heidelberg Catechism, I like that catechism because it uses good, detailed language. Heidelberg, number 39, question 104, says, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? So that's the question the parents would ask. The children would respond with this answer says that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. That I obey and submit to them as is proper when they correct and punish me. And also that I be patient with their failings. For through them, God chooses to rule us. See, I like that. Even how it says the parents have failings too. And the children have to be patient with their parents because they're not perfect either. Number four, the fourth reason that Paul says children should obey their parents is because obedience brings blessing. You see how he says at the end, right after quoting from the the fifth commandment, he goes on to say, which is the first commandment with a promise, in parentheses. That's Paul adding some commentary to the Old Testament scripture there. He's saying that it's the first commandment with a promise. This is so important. That God has attached a promise to it. It's a weighty promise. It's something God thinks important enough to say, if you do this, then I will bless you with certain things. With a long life, he's going to go on to say. Well, how is this the first commandment with a promise, though? Because many would say, well, the second commandment seems to have a promise. Exodus 20, verse 5, second commandment. You shall not worship them or serve them, talking about the false gods. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And now here's where people say comes a promise. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, this is not a promise. It's just describing who God is. It's not so much a promise. It's just a description of God's character, who He is. He is a jealous God. And so these are curses and blessings that are related to that fact. They relate to the fact that God is holy and that God is jealous for His people. But the fifth commandment, to honor your father or mother, that's the first one with a specific promise. Not necessarily uh, saying, Uh, who God is, but just God saying, if you do this, then I will reward you. Many later commandments in scripture and the Mosaic law have promises, but this is the first specific one mentioned in the Old Testament. Should children though, should children really obey because of a promise of rewards? Is that right? Is that a Christian thing? Well, we have to say, obviously it is. It's in Scripture, and Paul's even bringing it out. He's highlighting it. He's saying, look at this. There's a promise here. Christ often used rewards, didn't he? When he talked about heaven, when he talked about rewards in heaven. These are people who already trusted in Christ for salvation. They're believers. And he's motivating them to live a more godly life, to do what he commands. And he's telling them they'll be rewarded in heaven for that. Many of his parables speak of different rewards. Looking forward to rewards is not wrong. If your main joy is to be with Christ. See, these uh, these rewards are just added extras. The main thing is to be with Christ. And if you're truly converted, that's your focus. It's Christ. And then he's using rewards just to help us along the way as we're tempted and as we're weak in this life. We need to be reminded of the life that is to come. So there's nothing wrong with expecting children to obey their parents here, and God doing so by, by saying they'll be rewarded if they do so. What is the promise of a reward? Verse 3, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. That's the reward given in the Old Testament. The Jews in the Old Testament would read this, and they would think, if I obey, the land of Israel where I'm going will be blessed. See, they were about to go into the the promised land there in Deuteronomy and these laws get brought back up and their time there would be blessed. They would live a long life there. The whole nation would be blessed if everybody did this, but even individually, they would live a long life there. If they disobeyed, they would not live a long life in the land. Either God's going to providentially bring about their death. One day they're just out doing certain things, and they end up being killed or die. Or the people of Israel would bring about their death. People of Israel would cut their life short because that was a capital punishment to disobey your parents. Especially to a certain point, if, if the parents could not uh, get the child to obey because the child was older, they were maybe a teenager later in their teenage years, and rebellious, the children would have to help with the whole town, the whole village, to bring about the death of this person through capital punishment. Leviticus 20, verse 9. If there's anyone who curses his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood guiltiness is upon him. It's not upon the people who are are taking care of the capital punishment, like God said. It's upon the person who's disobedient. God doesn't want his people to become corrupt. God doesn't want his people to be led by rebellious children who turn into teenagers who then turn into adults. Deuteronomy 21:18 is even more specific. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, when they correct him, when they discipline him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So his sins were were getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, uh, this child becomes a glutton, meaning he eats as much as he wants and parties all the time. He gets drunk all the time. It says, Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it and fear. God treats continued disobedience of children to parents very seriously. It not only leads to more and more sin in the person's life, the child's life as they grow up, but it can affect others around the child, and then even in this case, the whole nation. Well, let's turn to Proverbs and look at many of the Proverbs that speak of children and what children should do in relationship to their parents. Proverbs is a great book. It helps us a lot with godly wisdom in life It talks a lot about parenting we just finished reading proverbs as a family and uh, the, these verses here that i'm going to go through with you were emphasized in our family to our children proverbs 1 chapter 1 let's just go through take a little survey a little fast run through of proverbs here starting in chapter 1 and verse 8 hear my son your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Listen, children. Solomon's writing to his son here, and he's saying, Obey your father's instruction. Bless your mom by doing what is right, what is good, what is godly. Chapter 4, Proverbs 4, 1-4. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. So Solomon's father, David, taught Solomon. Taught Solomon the words of God. And not everybody had a Bible in their lap. So one father would teach his children, and they would teach their children, and they would teach their children. And Solomon here is saying, Son, listen to My teaching. Do what is right. Do what I say. Verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. Chapter 5, verse 1. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. Children, listen to your parents. How can you obey if you don't listen to what they have to say? Chapter 6, verse 20. My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So the mother's included there as well, even in ancient times. The Mom's teaching, the dad's teaching. Listen to them. Verse 21, bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. Listen to these words, these teachings. They're they're going to be fruitful in your life. Let's go to chapter 10 now. Skip forward to chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Children, you don't want to be a scoffer. You don't want to laugh and mock your parents for doing the right thing, for disciplining you. You want to accept that. You want to be somebody who accepts his father's discipline. Let's go to 17 now. Chapter 17, verse 25. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. It's shameful to the parents when children sin. It it hurts the parents. It's bitter even to the mom, the the mother who, who bore that child, who cared for that child. And when the sin comes out of the child as they grow older and older, it's more and more hurtful even to the parents. Chapter 19 and verse 13 says, A foolish son is destruction to his father. 1926, He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is shameful and disgraceful son. There's even children who try to drive their parents away. Just due to sin, due to the sin in their heart coming out. 20, chapter 20, verse 20. He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. This is kind of the opposite of obey them and you'll be blessed. Here it's saying that if you disobey, your lamp is going to go out. There's not going to be the guidance of God. It's more likely you're going to stumble, you're going to hurt yourself, and even die in God's providence. 23, chapter 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Listen to your father. Listen to your mother. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Children, it's, it's rejoicing to parents when you're doing what is right and what is good, when you're obeying your parents, when you're, when you're wanting to learn about the Lord and you're listening to them teach you, when you're accepting the discipline when you've done wrong. Chapter 30, verse 11. Here we're looking at the words of Agur, the son of Jeke, an oracle. Chapter 30, verse 11. There is a kind of man who curses his father, and does not bless his mother. So this this person has grown up, and they're just cursing their parents. They don't love their parents. They don't respect. They don't honor their parents at all. And then lastly, Proverbs 30, verse 15. This is an interesting one we just looked at with the children a few nights ago as we were finishing the book of Proverbs. He says, The leech has two daughters. Give, give saying that the daughters here are wanting to take from their father. They're really following in the way of the leech. The father is a leech on other people, and the daughters are wanting to leech from the father. It says there are three things that will not be satisfied, four that will not say enough. Sheol and the barren womb, earth that is never satisfied with water, and fire that never says enough, the eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. If you're a child who disobeys, if you're a child who continues to mock his parents, who just wants more and more and more from the parents, give, give, give me everything I want, you don't care about your parents. God says, someone who does that and mocks his parents and scorns his parents, these ravens, these eagles, are going to tear out that child's eyes. That's not a very pleasant thing to read to your kids and discuss with the young ones. But that is indeed the picture that God's word gives us of the things that might happen to a child who is disobedient. So what does it mean that God will bless an obedient child here? What is this promise that Paul is talking about? Will they live long upon the earth? Well, it's saying that children who obey their parents in one way, are going to escape a great amount of sin in their life and the consequences of that sin. So it's well known that sin brings about death and that certain sins bring about death faster and certain sinful lifestyles will cause a person to be injured and harmed and hurt both spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And yet, if a child is obeying, then they're not going to fall into those traps, into those pits, as the book of Proverbs calls it. They avoid lifestyles that lead to a shortened life. They are well-pleasing to the Lord, so they're going to be blessed by Him. And they're not necessarily going to be prosperous and rich. That's not what it means here. It's not the prosperity gospel at all. But they're going to be blessed with what God thinks is good. They'll live long in the land in the sense that they'll be blessed with things in life that a disobedient child would not be blessed with. God promises many blessings in the New Testament for the believer. Some are for the next life, heaven, and some are for this life. And he's saying here, if you obey your parents, then you're honoring God, and he's going to give you many blessings, including generally, on average, living a longer life. Sometimes even the most godly children die young. Sometimes they die when there are teens, but in general, living a godly life, even under the new covenant, is going to carry with it blessings and even a longer, healthier life. But disobedience, that's a great sin. In fact, the Bible uses disobedience to parents as one of the major sins that show us how humanity is doing. So in Romans 1, He lists all of these different sins and he says, where disobedience is one of them disobedience to parents. And all these sins are showing that humanity is suffering the wrath of God. Unbelievers, pagans are suffering under the wrath of God right now, including those who are disobedient to parents. And Paul says later that the end times are getting closer, the latter days, the last part of the last days. You'll know when they're getting closer. And he gives this list of sins. And one of them is where disobedience to parents is more prominent. It's one of the signs of the last days. So don't disobey. Obey your parents because you're in the Lord. Regardless of where they're at, obey them with a good heart, voluntarily. And parents, you've got to teach your children to obey. They don't come out of the womb knowing what obedience is. We'll talk more to parents next week, but you've got to be teaching them what it means to obey, what it looks like to obey, both through your actions as you obey those over you and an authority over you, but also showing them and training them of what obedience is. Punishing them when they're wrong, showing them what is right. They must be taught, they must be shown what obedience looks like. They're not born with a desire for that. You've got to train them. Well, let's follow God's word, children. Let's, let's follow what God says. God knows what is right. He knows what is good. He's commanded us to do it. We don't want to be in sin as followers of Christ. We want to follow his word here. And let's do that by obeying your parents when you're younger and respecting them. And then when you get older, continuing to respect and honor them all the days of your life. Let's pray. Father, we ask your help in uh, honoring our parents. We all here in this room need to do that. We need to show honor towards them. And I pray especially for the children in our church that these children would not only trust in Christ, but they would live it out. They would be sanctified, growing in their Christian walk by honoring and obeying their parents. We know that you've put those parents over them. Uh, We know that you've brought these families here to this church at this time. And I pray that this message, that this text of Scripture would impress upon the children's hearts to live a life that's pleasing to God, a life that's pleasing to Christ. And that they would seek to be more and more like Christ. He always honored you, Father. He always submitted himself to his Father and to your will. And so I pray that the children here would do that as well. In the name of Christ we ask this. Amen.